Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning, Voice America listeners, and welcome back to Solutions and Strategies, Living the Challenge with Dr. Sean. Over the last weeks, we've been discussing stress and anxiety and trauma related to children and the neurological challenges that come along with it. I've always found that the best way to deal with challenges is to make a good plan. Yes, plans will make will change and we must be flexible, but putting ideas and interventions into place is what we're about at Total Programs. Today I'm really excited. I'm actually coming from you to you from Northern California. It's rainy and cold outside, so those that are listening up around here, I hope you're all bundled up. Very excited to have on the show two guests today, Cindy Russell and Mallory Membribes, to discuss our new social skills program at Total Programs. It was designed through collaboration with UCLA, and it's called the PEERS program. Often individuals dealing with developmental disabilities, autism, and other learning disorders have uh, challenges with social skills. And what we try and do is put programs into place so that there are good skills for interactions and for building of relationships. A social skill is any competence facilitating interaction and communication with others where social rules are created and communicated and changed in verbal and nonverbal ways. The process of learning these skills is called socialization. For socialization, interpersonal skills are essential to relate to one another. Interpersonal skills are the interpersonal acts a person uses to interact with others which are related to dominance versus submission, love versus hate, affiliation versus aggression, and control versus autonomy in those categories as described by Leary, 1957. Positive interpersonal skills include persuasion, active listening, delegation, stewardship, and and others. Social Psychology is the academic discipline that does research related to social skills and studies how skills are learned for an individual through changes in attitude, thinking, and behavior. Social skills are the tools that enable people to communicate, learn, ask for help, get needs met in appropriate ways, get along with others, make friends, develop healthy relationships, protect themselves, and in general be able to interact in a society harmoniously. Social skills build essential character. They build essential character traits like trustworthiness, respectfulness, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. These traits help to build an internal moral compass, allowing others and allowing individuals to make good choices in thinking and behavior, resulting in social competence. The important social school skill identified by the Employment and Training Administrations are as follows. So these are the areas that is believed to be the most important in regards to vocation, working, interacting with others on a job site. Coordination. It's adjusting your actions in relations to others, 
others' actions. And sometimes we call that reciprocity in social interaction. Sometimes we talk, call that mind blindness when we're unable to understand where somebody else is coming from. And we've talked about that on the show before, utilizing areas of theory of mind to understand how somebody else is feeling. Mentoring, teaching and helping others how to do something, like a study partner or a teacher that you look up to and you want to emulate. Last week I was talking about um, personalization and the idea that you attach yourself to a certain person and want to be like them, good or bad. Hopefully we're finding mentors that are good and healthy for the person. Negotiation. Discussions aimed at reaching an agreement. Persuasion, the action or fact of persuading somebody or being persuaded to do or believe in something. Service orientation, actively looking for ways to evolve compassionately and grow psychosocially with people. It's very, very hard for people with developmental disabilities or people with language issues to always understand how to evolve compassionately and how to understand from a psychosocial point of view where other people are coming from and what are needed by them. Thus, social skills programs are so important. Social perceptiveness, being aware of others' reactions and able to respond in in an understanding manner. Sometimes in social situations, we do understand where others are coming from but we have big challenges in responding in an empathetic way towards them and commonly because of our own internal stresses. So sometimes in social perceptiveness, what we're looking for is an ability to be aware of where other people are coming from, but also being aware of one's own temperature gauge, where you're at in regards to stress, where you're at in regards to to your your abilities to interact and think because commonly as we've talked about before when you're very stressed you're unable to think in the way that you would want to because you're not in a calm state social skills are goal oriented with both main goals and sub goals for example a workplace interaction initiated by new employee by a new employee with a senior employee will first contain a main goal this will gather information, and then the sub-goal will be the established rapport in order to obtain the main goal. So the main goal in the work that you'll be doing is to gather information and begin to understand your workplace. The secondary goal, or the sub-goal, is to establish rapport with people and to be able to utilize that rapport to actually obtain and accomplish the main goal, which is to gather information and be a vibrant part of that work situation. So what what are some of the causes of deficits? Um, In my doctoral studies, which took place between 1998 and 2005, um, I studied under Frank Gresham, who was uh, and is a leader in social skills programming and social skills development. Deficits in social skills were categorized by Gresham in 1998 as a failure to recognize and re- reflect social skills, 
a fa failure to model appropriate models, a failure to perform acceptable behavior in particular situations in relation to developmental and transitional stages. Social skills deficits are also a discouragement for children with behavioral challenges when it comes to adult ad adjustment. So commonly, adults are attempting to assist kids with social skills and social issues, but at times, parents, adults may also have social challenges themselves. So let's look at some of the uh, challenges that we work with in trying to develop social skills. I want to start with ADHD because it tends to be the most diagnosed um, disability out there. People with ADHD, attention deficit hyperactive disorder, which is a hyperkinetic disorder, hyperkinetic meaning that it's lots of movement, often have difficulties with social skills, such as social interaction. Approximately half of ADHD children and adolescents will experience peer rejection compared to 10 to 15% of non-ADHD youths. Adolescents with ADHD are less likely to develop those close friendships and romantic relationships. They are usually regarded by their peers as immature or as social outcasts. They begin to mature how, as they begin to mature, however, it becomes easier to make relationships. Training in social skills, behavioral modification, and medication have had some beneficial effects. It's important for ADHD youth to form friendships with people who are not involved in deviant or delinquent activities in order to reduce the emergence of later psycho, psycho, uh, so sorry, psychopathology. When we look at kids that are dealing with antisocial behavior and that psychopathy comes into play or psychopathology, we're looking at kids that have often had models of the same types of behavior. So we have to look at the family as a whole unit. Poor peer relations can contribute to major depression, criminality, school failure, and substance use disorders. There's also been a connection with substance abuse and ADHD in regards to the medication. And that's often, too often, is the case that the individual with that is taking medication will then utilize self-medicating techniques later in life to deal with their ADHD or to deal with the um, the outcomes of that disability. So sometimes it's really really hard for individuals with ADHD to get past their processing disorder because they're. I don't know how to explain this, but they're kind of caught up in this this conundrum of taking medication in order to deal with their processing issues, but then the medication may affect them also. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Romantic relationships are usually difficult in adolescent and college age because of the lack of attention of nonverbal cues, such as flirting gestures, tone of voice, which may include misinterpretation if whether the person is romantically attracted to that person or not, along with impulsiveness of jumping into relationships. So the impulsiveness is a huge issue. You know, when we look at ADHD, we look at the, the issue is one of impulsivity and 
lack of internal control systems. So what commonly happens is the person is usually of good thinking skill, good cognitive ability, but often has difficulty focusing and may make quick decisions in order to have a decision made. And one of the things that we help people with ADHD to do is to slow down and make their decisions a little slower so that they can have more positive benefit. Now, commonly, when we talk about social skills programs, um, we, we don't think about the kid with ADHD so much. We think more about kids with developmental disabilities. But if the kid with ADHD were to be able to interact in a social skills program and get some benefit from it, um, the benefit lifelong could be quite strong in that the person may learn some skills that are really going to carry on much later. One of the things that we talk about in our, our field of work is what's called pivotal response training. And I've talked about it a bit on the show before. Pivotal response training was something that was started by the Kegels out at UC Santa Barbara. And the idea is that if you teach somebody a skill, for instance, if we have this kiddo with ADHD and he's impulsive and he doesn't have good internal controls and we teach him some social skills, we teach him some ability to calm his internal self, to bring down the arousal levels that are so high, there's a good chance that his interactions will become better with people. If his interactions become better with people, he's more than likely going to have more opportunities, more positive interactions with that person and with multiple people. Thus, the pivotal response is that change in social ability to be able to now interact with others in an acceptable way. Let's talk a little bit about autism. People with autism spectrum disorders, such as Asperger's syndrome, have a deficit within social skills. This is most likely as a result of a lack of theory of mind, as I said earlier, which enables the person to understand other people's emotions and like where other people are coming from. Many people on the spectrum have many social idiosyncrasies, such as obsessive interests and routines, lack of eye contact, one-sided conversations, abnormal body, language, and nonverbal communication. The concept of social skills has, question, has been questioned in terms of the autistic spectrum. In response for the needs of children with autism, Romanisk has suggested that for adapting comprehensive model of social acquisitions with behavioral modifications rather than specific responses tailored for social skills and social contexts. So what Romanis has talked about is developing a program that meets the deficit area needs of the individual, in particular with autism, and not having a general program, but looking and evaluating the individual for individual needs. We also look at anxiety and depression as another area requiring social development. Individuals with few opportunities to socialize with others often struggle with social skills. 
This could often create a downward spiral effect for people with mental illnesses like anxiety or depression due <laughs> oh, excuse, so sorry. Due to anxiety experienced from concerns with interpersonal evaluation and fear of negative reaction by others. Expectations of failure or rejection and socialization leads to avoiding or shutting down for social interactions. Individuals who experience significant levels of social anxiety often struggle when communicating with others and may have impaired abilities to demonstrate social cues and behaviors appropriately. Depression can also cause people to avoid opportunities and to socialize excuse me, avoid opportunities to socialize, which impairs their social skills and makes socialization unattractive. So we're talking a bit this morning and trying to define what social skills are. And we, it's time for our first break this morning. But when we return, continue and talking about social skills, behavior therapy, and we'll bring on Cindy and Mallory. So we'll be back in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be, and our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back. I hope that you've had a little chance to get yourself a little cup of coffee and get comfortable for the rest of our show. So we've been talking about social skills this morning and specifically looking at 
uh, different disabilities such as ADHD, autism. We even talked a little bit about depression and anxiety. We've been talking a lot about stress and uh, depression, anxiety, trauma over the last several weeks as there's been a lot of uh, traumatic things going on, including this week with the recent church shooting in Texas and a lot of people on edge. And when a lot of people are on edge, their social skills are not so great. They're scared. They're apprehensive. They are, their lives are filled with anxiety. So what we try and do is assist the person who is feeling anxious by having plans and having interventions to assist. It's one of the things that behaviorists look at is like, how can we intervene in this behavior and, and look at it for what it is? It's communicative purpose and try and make changes based on how the behavioral externalizations, whatever we want to call them, behavior problems, what they're trying to communicate. To behaviorists, social skills are learned behaviors that allow people to achieve social reinforcement. So when you're in a social situation, it's reinforcing to both sides. It's reinforcing to you as the individual, and it's reinforcing to the other person because they're enjoying the interactions with you. According to Schneider and Byrne in 1985, who conducted a meta-analysis. And a meta-analysis is a way of looking at multiple studies and seeing how strong the effects are of those studies. So this was 51 studies and looking at particularly what's called operant conditioning procedures. It's something that's learned. It's, it's a learned behavior that is reinforced versus like when you see a birthday cake, you go, oh, it's a birthday. I'm going to celebrate something. That was taught to you. That wasn't instinctual versus if I put a warm coat on you when you're cold, that is classic conditioning. That is something that is instinctual to the to the person, to the body, and doesn't need any learning. But social skills does need learning. And we look at what is the, when we're looking at meta-analysis, we're looking at what's the largest effect size, followed by modeling, coaching, and social cognitive techniques. Behavior analysts prefer to use the term behavioral skills to social skills. And it's the same thing. You know, we're looking at the skills that are required to interact and communicate with a multitude of individuals. That's how we would behaviorally define social skills. Social skills programs assist all individuals with ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder, to have a better life. We'll be focusing on the development of social skills in ASD teens and young adults. And now I want to bring on Miss Cindy Russell and Miss Mallory Membribus, our social skills coordinators at Total Programs. At Total Programs, we're utilizing the Peers Program, for, and it's a program for education and the enrichment of relational skills, Peers curriculum, which fosters the development and the awareness of others, and particularly with regard to social thinking as developed by at UCLA. Now, let me tell you a little bit about our guests. First of all, good morning, Cindy, and good morning, Mallory. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Cindy has worked for Sarah Madre Total Programs for the past nine years as a behavior specialist and supervisor over our school program and our community integration program. She has a BS in human services and an MS in counseling with a specific uh, uh, specialization as a marriage and family therapist. 
prior to working at, Sol, at Total Programs, she worked for, Los, for the Los Angeles County Office of Education as a behavior management specialist with children with special needs from emotionally disturbed children to severely handicapped children for approximately 28 years. And that's where Cindy and I met, both working in LA County Office of Education together about 25 years ago. I also had been, oh, I'm sorry, she also had been involved in Special Olympics as a coach for the track. She found that her career has been very rewarding. Her hope is to continue to, by carrying it on into the counseling field. She's very proud to say that she's the wife and mother and the husband. She's the wife and mother with a husband and two daughters and has taken her career as a behavioral specialist with total programs very seriously. Now, Mallory Membribus is a program supervisor at Total Programs. She has a bachelor's degree in human development with a minor in sociology from California State University, Long Beach, and a master's in counseling with an emphasis on applied behavior analysis from Cal State Los Angeles. She's a board-certified behavior analyst and has been for the last three years. While doing her undergrad work at Cal State Long Beach, she began working at a high school as a coach for special needs students, assisting them with finding a job, applying and interviewing, training and ongoing supervision of current of their current jobs, and learning how to independently ride a bus and to and from work and to and from home. This was her first encounter with working with this population, and she became very interested in this field and various employment opportunities that were offered. After she graduated with her bachelor's degree, she became a resource specialist assistant for Pasadena Unified School District. There, she assisted students in a one-on-one situation in their class with their classwork and their educational goals. As while working as an RSP aide, she began working for Total Programs, smartest thing she ever did, as a behavior <laughs> specialist. She began working with clients in the community and was then promoted to working in their homes and doing home intervention with clients and their families. She found passion in working with clients and their families to assist them with their current needs and teaching functional skills and promoting independence. After working for Total Programs for two years and gaining much experience in the field of applied behavior analysis, she decided to further her career and pursued a master's degree. She's now been with Total for approximately seven years and continues to enjoy working in this field with our clients and families and furthering her knowledge and experiences. So really happy to have you both on the show. Cindy, Cindy, tell me a little bit about your, I've read a little bit about your background, but what, what about your background brought you to wanting to look at social skills programs and doing counseling in general? Um, I think it's just always been something that I've, I've wanted to do since I was really young. I remember even in uh, elementary in the sixth grade, I was brought into a group, which was a peers group, and where we mentored other, other peers, you know, that were our same age. And I remember I really enjoyed doing the counseling part of it, you know, and so I think it's just something that's always stayed with me. And then in high school... I had an ROP class where I was an aide for a visually impaired classroom. And I think from that point on, that just brought the interest of working with special needs children. And I found it very rewarding and where I could actually help someone else, you know, be better at what they're doing. And so anyway, so I think from that point on, it's, 
I, and I've learned as I've come along with many experiences with working from high school to working with L.A. County and working with, with uh, total programs, I can't even tell you how much I've learned uh, by working with these, with these children, and, and it's just so rewarding. And I just see that how social skills is such an important factor to them to be able to be accepted by, by others and especially their peers. Absolutely. One of the issues that, and you and I started working together, like I said, about 20 plus years ago when we were working at a school together, a specialized center school. And one of the things that always challenged me and as the psychologist there on the side and challenged, it may have challenged you also, was that quite often we were working with the kids but very rarely working with the families. And it became very difficult to try and make specific change for the children without involving, without involving their parents or who their care providers. So what are your thoughts around that? Does that ever well, affect? Yeah, that, that's a, a really big issue because I really feel that the parents do need to be involved, especially with their children. And I think this is where the peers program is very helpful because it does bring both components. You're working with the, with the children as well as the parents to bring it together. So it, they need to be involved. They need, what we teach them at school or in the community or wherever we're at, wherever we're working with them, it needs to take place in the home as well to reinforce, you know, their behaviors and their social skills. So I think the parent component is very, very important. Yeah. You know, I talked a little while ago about what's called a meta-analysis. And the meta-analysis, again, looks at a bunch of studies and looks at how strong those interventions are. And one of the meta-analyses that was done, oh, now about 10 years ago, was looking at school counseling programs. And surprisingly, when they completed the meta-analysis, what did they find? But they found rather than a positive effect, they found a negative effect, meaning that the kids that went through some school counseling programs came out having more challenges than they did when before they went into counseling. And the main concern there was the lack of parental input, the lack of that connection. One of the things that I've talked about on the show before and something that kids commonly with ADHD, also kids with Asperger's, but commonly kids that are, are more dealing with emotional issues, they become what's called the identified patient. They're the ones that go to counseling. They're the ones that take the medication. They're the ones that are evaluated rather than looking at the big picture. And what happens is, is that that kid starts to feel lousy about himself because he uh, uh, is the one that's pointed out as having all the problems. I don't know what your thoughts are around that, Cindy, but you know we see that a lot with our ED, which is emotionally disturbed population, where they're in school, they're in special programs, and they're the ones that are, are identified as having all the issues when truly they're a result of their home environments. What are your thoughts around that? Well, that's, that's very true. I really, um, I really believe that because in working with ED kids for many years, you know, I'm, I'm taking the time, I'm talking to them, and then 
And what it is with Edie, because you got to find out the root of the problem. And a lot of the times, the root of the problem is the parent and what they have to deal with at home, whether it be abuse, whether it be, you know, uh, being in a single-parent home, um, watching the, the conflict between parents. But whatever trauma they've experienced during their childhood, it carries over emotionally to them, and they have no way of expressing it or dealing with it, so it comes out with them acting out. And I feel that once, once I get to that root of the problem, I go, okay, here it is. You know, this is something that's going on at home, but how do I get in there? You know, so I'm working at a school, in a school situation, but how do we address that? You know, at that time I wasn't a counselor, and, you know, you just can't go in and ask the families, you know, hey, what's going on? I mean, you can, but will they be but, truthful? But, you know, and, so. <laughs> and will you really have the opportunity to see them? So, so often is the case that when you have a kid <clears throat> that's growing up in a unhealthy or a psychologically unhealthy or emotionally unhealthy environment, their parents grew up exactly the same way. So what's happening is that they're just, it's just carrying on the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And so commonly our goal is to break that pattern, to tell that, let that kid know that, Yes, you're part of this situation, but you can pull yourself out of it. You can have a more successful uh, uh, experience. Mallory, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. we, I, I didn't mean to not bring you in. Um, <laughs> no. Very excited that you've been part of Total Programs for quite a while now, and you've seen the development of our programs. Tell me a little bit more about you know how you – got into doing this kind of work? Um, sure. So uh, kind of like what you said um, in the bio, I, I got my undergrad in human development, wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, I started working with special needs uh, teens, high schoolers um, in Long Beach as a job coach, and I got really interested in the field, and unfortunately the job um, is only offered to um people in school. So once I graduated, um, I knew I wanted to work with that population. So I, you know, I came back and I started working um, as an RSP aide and then also with total programs. And um, again, I just really kind of found my passion in wanting to um, assist the, you know, both the the clients and the families as well, really working in the home um, with the families I saw, you know, change, um, in both sides, so that's really how I got interested and, you know, mm -hmm. pursued, pursued my career and my degree in that, and that's kind of where I am. Which is right so now. interesting, because you probably didn't come out of your bachelor's degree or come out of high school thinking, okay, I'm going to be a behaviorist, and I'm going to work no. with people trying to, and these things fall on the right people. They fall on the people that are going to go forward and do the work well, have respect for the kids. I'm really interested just to take a step back here for a second. What sure. were, when you were doing the vocational coaching, what, mm -hmm. what was it that you were coaching? What were you helping people to do? Uh, sure. So um, we did several things. Um, I helped the high schoolers 
apply to, to different jobs, look for different jobs that were available. And, and we were, um, you know, we had our connections as well. Um, so, you know, at a hospital or at a, a daycare, um, at different restaurants. So, you know, I would go with these, these students and really kind of coach them into, you know, doing the particular job and following the directions and um, really, and also it had a, an aspect of the social um, because they had to, you know, work with, work with other people in the field. Um, you know, like you said, I really didn't think I would fall into this, but I'm happy that, you know, my path has led me in this way. And, and quite honestly, I had never even heard about applied behavior analysis. And um, I'm really happy that I did because, you know, my journey has just kind of led me to where where I am now. Um, but you're also the kind of person that seeks out to help others. Thus, you put yourself into situations that allowed you to learn how to help people, to assist mm-hmm. others when it wasn't easy. Both you and Cindy are, have done this for years where you have put out a lot of energy towards helping people that you you don't know, that you haven't, uh, they're not your family. These are people that you care a lot about, but the main purpose or the main focus commonly is, is that we have to make plans. We have to decide what kind of intervention would work best for this kiddo. When we come back from our break, I'd like to discuss the actual two programs. Cindy, you'll be discussing more of the Teen Peers program. And Mallory, I want to hear more about, or I want to start hearing about the Young Adults Peers program. Mm-hmm. So we'll be back in about oh, a couple minutes and fill your coffee cup and see you in a couple minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. During the break, we were discussing uh, just my my history of knowing these two individuals for quite a long time, and Cindy and I have been friends and colleagues for for a long time. Mallory, I've known for the last five six years, and I'm just very very proud of how much you both have dedicated your lives to this work, and want to thank you for being part of our program and bringing peers to total program so that we can assess assist more people. Cindy, can you describe what the peers program is for our teens? So, so the listeners know there's two different peers programs. One is for teens. The other is for young adults. One is more based around relationships where the other is more based around uh, work skills and, and, and relationships too. But Cindy, if you could do that, if you could describe what the teen social skills program is, I'd love to hear about it. That I went through, it really showed us how how important it is for our students to our clients to have a relationship with friends, with peers. But a lot of times they don't know how to do that. So with the peers program, it shows them how to get into conversations, how to go in a conversation, how to exit a conversation, how to make friends, how to keep friends. It just teaches them different ways of communication, even electronically even through their phones. Uh, sometimes we have obsessively, you know, they'll make a phone call and call over and over and over again, and then the next thing you know, the, the other, their peers won't answer their phone calls. It just teaches them how to have manners when they call, teaches them how to have get-togethers, how to play games. So it just actually just teaches them how to socialize and give them the correct skills on how to keep these friends and keep these relationships going. So what does the program look like? How does it work? Well, well, what we what the peers program shows is we have a class going for our for our clients, which is from six to fourteen at a time. But simultaneously, we have the parents in the in the next classroom where we're teaching them how to show them these social skills. What we're teaching them in the classroom will carry on at home. So we're actually teaching the parents how to teach them how to keep these conversation skills going, have them sit there and watch them make a phone call to one of their friends and even coach them a little bit prior, you know, and during and even after. So that's just one of the little components. I mean, it goes through the whole thing, you know, keeping friends, you know, going through disagreements and so on like that. You said it's one of the little components, but that's like huge. I mean, to be able to have a a conversation with somebody and you, you, you hit on something 
that commonly does happen where the person doesn't know when to stop. They don't know when to to pull back the reins a little bit so that the person can get used to their interactions, can have a desire. Like there's something that's called satiation. Satiation Uh is when you get too much of something. So if the person becomes satiated by the person calling over and over and over again or asking the same questions over and over again, they're eventually going to be turned off by them and not want to interact. Do you, is there, is there an actual curriculum that you go through with the kids and with the family? Yes, there is. It's it's the whole curriculum. There's uh, for both sides, one for the parents and one for, for the clients, the students. And it is all laid out for us. It's all pretty much scripted and, you know, following it step by step, I mean, I've seen it work. I've even used just part of some of the com- components of it just for one individual client who was having a very hard time with uh, their reputation. And I I used it for this one individual, and it made such a huge difference in, in how they were with their peers because he was kind of silly and always saying inappropriate things and, you know, the kids just wouldn't want to sit with him. They wouldn't want to be around him. So how to teach him, like, okay, we have to lay low so they can forget the things that you've done. And then when we come back in, we're going to change the way you talk to them, the way you greet them. And, and it just made such a huge difference in the relationship and actually keeping a couple of those relationships as to where he would come and sit with them they wouldn't leave anymore. They would actually sit with them and have lunch, which was really exciting for me to watch. Well, sure. And so often what happens is that the kiddo, the individual, will say something which might we might say is inappropriate, and it makes others laugh or it makes others interact with him or her. Therefore, they're like, hey, that worked. Let me just act that way again, and they'll interact with me again even though they're interacting in a quote unquote inappropriately, they're doing that because it brought them relationship. It brought them an interaction and the goal then becomes to teach them an alternative way to gain the same type of, of interactions, gain the same type of reinforcement that they get from the social interaction. So often our kids are, teased by other kids and the kid takes it because it's the only social interaction he or she knows how long so does the program meet once a month once a week i mean how tell me a little bit about the time schedule on the program well the classes are usually an hour to an hour and a half we meet once a week depending on where if we're working with the teens or the adult adolescents that uh, it would be either 14 weeks or 16 weeks at a time. So, mm-hmm. And it's one, one time a week. One time per week, and the parents meet at the same time. So do you have two therapists, two social coordinators working with them, or, or how does that work? Do you have one yes. person uh, in one yes, room? We have, yes, we have one, one um, social skills therapist in one room and one, in the, one, with, the, one with the clients, the students, and the other one with the parents. But we also have maybe one or two more to assist because there's a lot of role playing uh, that goes on with with these sessions, and you know it's good for them to see it and to how it's act out, and then they can try it themselves too. So it's by good any to have chance, 
By any chance, do you have a, a like a list of what the curriculum areas are? Actually, I, I do. Um, I just kind of wonder, is like, go ahead. Okay, um, it's conversational skills, using appropriate conversational skills, uh, choosing appropriate friends, uh, how to use electronic forms of communication, mm. how to use humor and assess humor feedback, mm. and how to start, enter, and exit a conversation with peers, um, how, to, how to arrange, arrange get-togethers with friends, uh, how to be a good sport when playing games or uh, sporting events, um, how to handle arguments and disagreements with friends and relationships, uh, how to handle rejection, teasing, and especially bullying, uh, rumors that start, uh, gossip, cyberbullying, and also how to change a bad reputation. Wow, what an in-depth program. And, and so many of the classes that you just talked about were part of what we discussed over the last several weeks, including this idea of how to deal with ongoing anxiousness, ongoing, like bullying, for one, causes a lot of internal anxiety and can cause post-traumatic stress for the individual. So all those areas are just wonderful that you've hit upon. Mallory, I want you to, to discuss a little bit with us about the adult program and how that is similar and and different. So tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about the adult program. Sure. Um, So like you said, the young adult and the teen, they're similar, um, but there are some differences. So the young adult program is designed for young adults um, ages ranging from about 18 to 24 years old. It's a 15-week program, and it focuses on teaching appropriate relationship skills. Um, The program really works with socially motivated young adults, so the young adults must want to learn these skills. They can't Mm -hmm. be forced to learn them. Um, And they're also accompanied with their social coaches, which can be like a parent, an older sibling, a life coach, or a job coach. And they really help provide the skills and opportunities to practice the skills um, both in and out of the session. Uh, The program focuses on teaching the young adults. We use, um, like Cindy was saying, the in-person modeling, video modeling, role-playing during the peer session. And they're really encouraged to participate in out-of-session assignments. Um, and these really help to strengthen the skills that were learned in the session. So that's just a little bit about the PEERS program. Um, it's very exciting. Adults. It's very similar to a lot of the things that you were teaching in your vocational work earlier on. Right. I'm wondering, yeah. um, when. how does it work, though, too? Do you have, because they're older, are there parents there also? Or care providers there also, or is it just the adults? Just the, um, uh, the same as, go ahead. So it's, it's similar as the teens as well. So, um, it's got the parent component or the, the, we call them, um, social coaches. So like I said, it could be a parent. Um, it could be an older sibling. It could be if they have a life coach or a job coach, um, or just, you know, like a mentor that, that helps them come in. Who's going to be there to practice these skills that they learn during the sessions out of sessions. There are um, some, Assignments that are out of the session, like Cindy was saying, like making a phone call or um, uh, getting or putting together a, a get-together, 
calling a friend, finding a source of friends. So those are things that are done out of the session that they care, that the social coaches are there to to really coach them with before it happens, you know, after it happens, even during when when it's happening, um, when they need that support. So yes, where sir. in the teen program that Cindy was describing, the parents are learning the same social mm-hmm. skills curriculum as their kids in the adult program they're more like the 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 care provider or the parent is more like a facilitator than a uh, a co-client they are collaborating which is very cognitive behavioral in nature where you have as a therapist a collaborator rather than somebody who is only there to you know tell you what to do or, or rather than a coach so do you um how how long is that program? Is how many weeks does it go for? So the young adult is sixteen weeks. It uh, meets once a week for about ninety minutes, and both the the young adult and their social coaches um, meet separately, like in the teams, like Cindy was describing. So um, there's two um, like classes going, or you know, sessions uh-huh. going on at the, simultaneously. So they're both learning the same things a little bit differently and then they come together and collaborate at the end and really kind of um, work on those assignments out of the, the session together. Do, after the sessions are over, do the counselors mm-hmm. collaborate together? Do the people that are running the program then mm-hmm. meet and debrief? Yes. So, um, what I observed when I did the peers training at UCLA, the facilitators all met about a half an hour, an hour before the, the session. And they talked about, you know, okay, last week, you know, this client was struggling with this and, um, and so on. And so, yes, they do meet and kind of review, you know, the topics that are going to be discussed during that next session and then issues that may have had a occurred that they want to, um, you know, revisit that happened the, the previous session. So, yes, that's, we do meet. That's great. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as often happens, we've come to the end of our show. I'm very excited. I believe that the peers programs are going to start in January, uh, total programs. And I would really like to have Mallory and Cindy back on again with us. So thank you two very much for coming today, and we will have you on again in a couple of weeks once we get the, the, the program started. So thank you, ladies. Oh, you're very well. Thank you for having us on. Remember that on Strategies and Solutions, taking on the challenge of Dr. Sean, we're about your success and know that each day can be the new future you dream of having in your life. See you next time. Blessings. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.